be smarter than what you're fed. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I'm with my guest, Jesse. Hi, I'm Jesse Torres, and I am super excited here. I'm known for taking your pain and turning it into passion and purpose and ultimately impact so that we can affect change in the world together as an army of angels. Love that. Light warriors. Yes. Light warriors, I call it. Yes. I like that one better, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take us through the journey to how you got to this space? Sure. Um, you know, I, I will Reader's Digest for you, <laughs> uh, the process of my life. So in a nutshell, um, my childhood consisted of, you know, child abuse with my father. He was sexually molesting me since my first memory. I don't remember a memory without it all the way up until I was 18 and I moved out. And ultimately it was, it was very confusing for me because I really loved my dad. Like I adored him. Like I dedicated love songs to him, you know, like, and so it was really confusing when I got to an age where the discomfort was greater than my perceived love for him, you know? And, um, as I started to get older, I realized that, that this was uncomfortable and it was, it didn't feel good anymore. And I, you know, I was, a little girl. So I didn't know any different until it, it didn't, you know, and, um, and so that, you know, began the trajectory of, you know, trying to dodge him, you know, at night and building traps and trying to warn myself when he was coming. I tried to tell my mom when I was 16 and I used the word molest and um, in Spanish, the word molestar means to bother or annoy. And he twisted my words. My mom believed it. And I never, she never spoke to me about it again. I subsequently went through two more years of trying to just run from him, basically. Um, and so that was kind of the journey of my life. My my dad, you know, uh, my mom in the kitchen with her little TV watching telenovelas. And um, my brother in his room listening to sad songs and me in the living room with my dad watching TV with his hand down my shirt. That's kind of like the the helicopter view of my childhood. From that, when I turned 18, I was ready to rebel. I was like, I'm 18. I'm an adult now. You can't tell me what to do. And so my dad would say, you know, be home at midnight. I'd be home at two. <laughs> and I just, my mom loved crying every day, asking me, why are you doing this? And I remember in my mind, I thought, how are you confused by my behavior? But I didn't have words for it. I just looked at her crying and I'd left. And I kept doing that. And one day I met this guy and he brought me home from a late date. And um, my dad was standing on the porch and he looked at him and said, you get out. And he looked at me and said, you get in this house. And then he proceeded to, you know, berate me that night and about what I'd done. But then the next day, my then boyfriend, you know, calls and says, what was up with your dad? You know, and I said, what do you mean? He was mad because you brought me home late. And he said, no, that was not an angry father. That was a jealous man. And when he said that, he unlocked like Pandora's box inside of me. Um, and I shared with him probably more than he needed to know. Um, but I just released everything that had been kept a secret. He saw what nobody in my family could see. He saw what my mother denied when I was 16 and he still wanted to be with me. And in my mind at that age, I was like, you now know, like my dirty, you know, my ugly and you still like me. And so I fell madly in love and we thought, and he came from his own abusive background. He had an alcoholic mother. And we talked about, you know, having the white picket fence and, you know, raising kids. And he said, you know, I'll never let my kids see me drunk. And I said, my kids will never be molested. And we thought we fixed it, right? We didn't know the emotional damage that we were bringing to a marriage. Um, and so consequently, he knew how to communicate with his mother with vulgarities, anger, rage, and, you know, put downs. His mom called him a loser every day. 
And so that was his form of communication. My dad would do that, but in a, not as vulgar. So it was familiar. And so I tolerated that. And that just became the MO in our house. And ultimately, it was like a walking time bomb. I never knew when he would be in a good mood or a bad mood. And I would try to you know, make sure things were in order in order for there to not be an explosion. And ultimately, 18 years of that, I came to a point where I was apathetic and just emotionally dead. I was praying for somebody to blow the red light. I I, I was willing that, you know, something would happen to him. And then having massive shame and guilt over even thinking such a thing. Um, but divorce wasn't an option. And I just didn't see a way out. In the context of our marriage, there was a two-year span where we had four extreme deaths. His buddy, who was on bike detail with him in Hollywood, he was LAPD, you know, came home from a work day, threw on a John Wayne movie, and had an aneurysm and died. He was in his 30s. He left a six and a four-year-old. His uncle, who was six, six and a half, worked on the Puget Sound in Washington on those ships and walked at the precise moment underneath one of those big metal ball and hook cranes, and it fell on his head. Like really crazy stuff. Then his, we got the horrific door knock where his sister committed suicide. And then a year after that, my brother was murdered. And so in a short period of time, we were met with these huge emotional breakdowns. Um, and he ended up having to retire early, which he always dreamed of dying a cop. And he got in a medical in, in injury and had to medically retire. And that broke his heart. So there was a lot of tumultuous things. But ideally, I swore that I would never leave him because he never believed he deserved me. And so I would promise and promise and promise and promise. And he would push, 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 push. And the harsher and the meaner and the more vulgar he was, the quicker my spirit was dying. And I got to the point where I believe I did die in every way a human being can. I was just a physical body walking and I was wishing that somebody would just end this life because it was just torture. Um, what ended up awakening me or whatever flame I had left in my soul um, was an act of kindness. Um, and it's, this was a, a class that I took at the local community college. I really wanted to help people, but I didn't know what to do. I'd vicariously live through him behind the yellow tape. I went on multiple ride-alongs, um, but I knew I wasn't going to be a cop. I'm not going to throw people up against the wall. So I thought, what about a firefighter? And my daughter told me, she said, mom, you're going to see a kid hurt and you're going to start crying. And I thought, well, you know, if I believe I have the skill set to help them, I think I could do it. So I took a course in emergency medicine um, just to kind of get me in the door to see how it felt. And in it wasn't the course as much as it was because he was so controlling and so jealous. Um, going to this class was the very first thing I had ever done, like for myself. And um, what ended up happening is I ended up flunking the class. My uh, ex, you know, husband at the time, he broke his tib fib. And I was at the hospital in the morning, in the middle of the day, at night, and um, I flunked a 10-chapter quiz. And well, in emergency medicine, you can't flunk. Right? You've got people's lives in your hands. This isn't about a grade. This is about doing what's right for a human being. And so the teacher, he knew this wasn't like my norm. So he asked me, what's going on? I shared with him what was going on at home, and he made me an offer. He said, I promise not to flunk you. I'll give you an incomplete if you promise to take the course again next semester. And so I was like, yes, I, I will. I'll do it. I was so excited to not have this fail because it meant so much to me. But what he allowed me to do was audit the class. So I was able to go and sit and, and the class was half lecture, half scenarios. So I sat through all the lecture and I was taking tons of notes. And then when the, the scenarios happened, I became the patient. And so he would put me under stairwells and put me in under cars and it would, he would do mock 911 calls and the students had to come out and, you know, rescue me basically. And so this was way out of my comfort level. I was introverted. I was shy. I, I had shame all over me. I looked down at the ground. I didn't make eye contact. 
And this was like, so beyond the realm of anything that I would ever do that it was like bizarre. But what happened is the people were helping me out of bushes and they were pulling leaves out of my hair and they were thanking me. And I was like, Oh, like for, like for what I didn't, you know, I didn't understand. I didn't know to call it kindness then. And then I created this montage video. This is back in 2003. So videos now we can like make them on our phones. Right. But back then it was this long process to make a, a, a movie and a music video. And I did it of their journey in this course, right? So they came in with mohawks and earrings, and now they're in uniform standing at attention. And, um, and so I created this video, and they all pulled together and put money in and bought me a Best Buy card. Now, it seems so minor, but it totally short-circuited me. I didn't understand kindness for no reason. My dad had told me that, you know, not to trust anybody, that people, you know, want to take from you or they want to get in your pants, which is what he was doing. And my husband told me people subconsciously want to break up a good thing just so don't talk to anybody about our marriage, right? So I was silenced and I was meant to believe that everybody was out to get something that they wouldn't just give for no reason. And so I didn't know what to call it. But what I knew is in that class, I came alive. And when I went home, I was dead. And so from that moment is when I decided that I would end my marriage and get out of the situation that I was drowning in. And um, and it was very, very tumultuous and one of the worst times of my life, other than my brother's death. But what it started in me is an obsession, an obsession to understand human behavior. I wanted to understand why my dad did what he did, why my mom ignored it, why my husband did what he did, and why I allowed it. And so I started to pick up books, and I was going to therapy myself, and I was reading everything I could get my hands on. I was going to workshops, seminars, whatever it was, so that I can understand why I had gotten at 38 years old back then and didn't have any clue as to who I was. And I started that research in one of my therapy sessions. I told the therapist, I said, you know, I want to do what you do, but that's a lot of school and a lot of time. <laughs> and she said back then, you know, she goes, well, you should be a coach. And back then it wasn't as a big a thing as it is now. You know, I'm like, coach, what do you mean? Like a soccer coach? Like I have no idea. And so I started researching it and um, the class I wanted to take through the Hudson Institute was too expensive, but I'm more of a physical learner. And Coaches Training Institute allowed me, it was half virtual, half on site. So I took that one. And as you go through becoming a coach, you you go through coaching yourself. You know, so there was a lot of clearing and a lot of stuff that I went through in order to go through that certification process. And then ultimately, I went to a Tony Robbins event and was blown away. And I had my coaching certification, but I was working 10, 12 hours a day. It was bad. I was in a horrible corporate arena, just literally giving my hair in clumps in the shower and heart palpitations and trying to start a coaching business. When I went to Tony Robbins, I thought, I want to be a part of this community. Like, oh my God, what must it be like to be a coach here? Because the energy was so high and so uplifting. And so ultimately that was a whole journey in and of itself. But I did, I became a Tony Robbins coach. And then ultimately from that, I wanted to create the next evolution of my spirit. I had now gone through mindset work, but now I wanted my soul to open. When my brother died, I turned my back on God. I was angry. I was like just enraged over the fact that if there is a God, why would he take my brother from me? He was the only safety I ever had. And so I flipped God off and I was so furious. And I'm just like, you know, what if there's nothing? What if you just get buried six feet under with worms crawling out of your eye holes? That's literally what I said. And it hurt to do that. You know what I mean? It hurt me to do that and turn my back on it. And so I wanted that next level of spirituality. And so I went on a continued quest after my Tony Robbins experience through, you know, shamanism and went, you know, on a year apprenticeship to become a shaman and work through that and went through heart math um, training and uh, meditation instructor. And, you know, I, I did all these things, but I think out of all of it, the evolution of my journey, the choreography, the divine choreography of my life, as my daughter puts it, 
it's literally the like what if it was the exact design that god created in contract with me for me to be who i am today and if so then every part of my journey has purpose i remember when i was a brand new tony robbins coach i had a client on the phone and i was sharing a part of my journey and all of a sudden there was silence on the other end of the phone and i was like shoot i screwed up i talked too much about myself why am i talking about me i should have talked about her and i was freaking out and then i heard she was crying on the other end of the phone and she said you know you have no idea how you sharing your story just helped me and in that moment i started crying she was crying and she was in so much gratitude And in that moment, I literally felt God's hands take my face and say, do you see what I've been trying to tell you? Like every part of your journey has been for this moment. Like if my, if my journey by telling it helped one human being, then it was worth it. It was worth it. And in that moment, I found gratitude for every single part. I called my mom, told her to stop hating herself for not listening to me. I called my dad to stop being suicidal. I called my ex and said, look, we have three beautiful children. Like maybe that's what we were meant to create. You know, like there was, there was so much beauty in that feeling of gratitude. And then fast forward to November 14th of 2022, um, my little brother was killed. So now I got murder on these two ends of my life, my older brother, now my little brother. And I had to pull every resource. I had to pull every bit of mindset tool that I teach, every every part of my awareness that I embody in order to get through yet another tragic event. And somehow I thought, first of all, when Oscar died, I thought, this just happens in the movies. Like, this doesn't happen to me. You know, I remember going to the grocery store and the, the bad lady was bagging my And I was like, why are you smiling? Like, don't you know what just happened? Like, I was so devastated. Like, how could the world continue with my brother being taken? And and again, turning my back on God, this time with my little brother, I leaned in to God. And I mean, God, what I mean by God is just easy for me to use that. But I mean, God, universe, source, spirit, whatever it is that you believe. I don't put a construct around it. And I respect all people's point of view. But for me, it's just the greatness of what is telling our heart to be. And I believe that everything happens for our highest and greatest good, even the suck. And if that's the case, then I've got to eat my own medicine. And I got to find the gift. Because if we don't find the gift, we only remember the pain. And in the process of all of this, I was witness to my gut-wrenching sorrow, my sadness, my grief, And the part of me that was leaning in to understanding that God doesn't waste this pain, that there's something in it for me to repurpose, that I'm going to find it and I'm going to find it and I'm going to use it and I'm going to turn it into something good. And we talk about like John Walsh, who created America's Most Wanted, right? Because they kidnapped his six-year-old or uh, Charlotte, I can't remember her name, the lady that did Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving because her daughter was killed on her front yard. Um, you know, and so if if people's contract with God was that they were going to lose one but save many, then maybe I can seek what is in it for me. If God meant to take both my brothers out of my life and keep me here, how could I take this pain and alchemize it into something beautiful? How could I use the pain and and the moments where I feel like gut wrenching and and really hurt? and flip it into deeper conviction on my purpose, dig my heels deeper to serving humanity when I understand grief at a gut level. And so that has been my journey. And what is my outcome now is to continue to serve people out of suffering so that they don't create a limit, a life of limit of limitations. You know, I believe that there's no limitation to the human being except the belief that there is one. And if we can take away what created that belief, which I call heart armor, just armor that we build around our hearts to protect ourselves because we've been hurt before. And if we can find what that armor is and break it down, because that's what we do in personal development, we go to break all those walls down only to find that we were the divine perfection we always were. 
right? But we wrote this story around our divinity based on what happened to us. And now, you know, I can't have a relationship because I was raped or because my father sexually abused me and I can't be sexually sovereign or I was beat by my dad every day. So I think all men are bad or whatever the story is. There is something that we're meaning making machines, right? We make meaning around everything that happens. But if we start see through the lenses of everything with absolute precision is for us, not to us, and from us, right? Because we create, we attract where we vibrate, where we are sitting in. Like if if I believe all men are jerks, I'm going to attract more jerks to, to prove me right, right? And, and so if we see through those lenses and we all understand that everything is in divine order with exact precision by the hand of God or creator, then how is this here for me? Now, do I wish I could get the bevo without losing my brother? Yeah, I do. But it's not by God's design. And I have a belief that my brother is no longer in pain. You know, but I get to choose what I walk with in this tragic experience. And I feel the pain, but suffering is optional. And I want to make sure I limit that. I mean, you're always going to have that. Obviously, you loved your brothers very much. And a part of you, I always feels like kind of dies when somebody very close to you passes away. They, they take a little bit of your heart, your soul with them. But they're never really gone. And I agree with so much that you said. I believe everything happens for a reason. We have no idea why. (laughs) Sometimes we find out. Sometimes we don't. But it's all there's a plan. And you have to trust the plan. And you have to trust the journey. Yeah, very, very true. And that's not always easy to do. Like, I'm not saying it's easy. But it is simple. Right? It's simple from the context of there is always light to be found in the darkness. And like an example would be that in in the heaviness of my brother's death, where I'm having to navigate detectives and, you know, accusations and baby mamas showing up telling me they have his children and my mom's emotions, my emotions, the funeral arrangements, the cremation, the, you know, I mean, it's just like intense and it's very heavy in that moment where I was actually being seduced into the darkness because it was very available there was also tender moments with my cousins that I didn't anticipate. There was also people that showed up out of nowhere speaking about what an amazing man my brother was. There was also love expressed from the depths of people's compassion. And so that is also true. And so we have to seek it. And I was telling my mom this, because she was kind of in that state where she was blaming, right? Everyone and everything for why this happened. And although, you know, there are circumstances where people were unkind or whatever, I kept saying, well, what if she didn't mean that? Or what if it was this? And what if it was that? And she took it like I was defending them and not on my brother's side. I told her, I said, mom, you know, it's not, that's not what I'm doing. My own survival mechanism, I have to, I have to see it half full. You know, I have to see it. I have to find the light within the darkness. And so if I don't, I, and I told her with all due respect, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to see through the lenses of everyone is cruel and everyone is to blame and everybody's at fault. Like, and she said, well, Jesse, I've just seen a lot. And I said, I get it, mom. You know, my brother was seeking my older brother in other people since he died. Because my my little brother was 15 when my older brother died. And he idolized him. And so he joined gangs. And, you know, he was living a life that was, you know, dangerous. And at this stage of his life, he was almost 43. He was doing the best he'd ever done. He was taking his girls to school in the morning, picking them up, helping them with their homework, cooking dinner. He was like doing all the things. So, you know, five, six years ago, you would have told me this happened. I wouldn't have been as shocked. Right now, it literally was an uppercut. I was like, no, like, no, not now. Like everything was just going the way it was supposed to, you know? Um, And we talked about speaking on stages and, you know, really, really wanted to make that difference. And um, 
Anyway, I know that some of the stuff he was living was a part of what he was surrounded by. And so, you know, I just told her, I said, I, I, I have to look for the light or I will get seduced into all the darkness that's available. And that's hurtful. And I just can't live there. And she got it. She understood. She goes, I get it. I go, it's not that I don't defend my little brother. I, of course, I wish he was here, but I just, I just can't keep going down the road of blame and anger and rage and all of this. It just, it's not, it's not congruent with who I know I myself to be. Won't let you grow. You will sit there and you will rot. It's so easy. It's so easy to just say, you know what? I give up. I quit and do nothing. But it's not going to get you anywhere. You got to put in the hard work and grow from it. Yeah. Well, she, you know, she has a story. She's 83 and she's kind of done kind of thing. And I'm like, well, mom, I appreciate that. And I understand where you're coming from. And you still have a daughter and you still have grandchildren and they need you. So, you know, remember that. So she doesn't go into victim. My mom's a victim of a lot of things, but she has a tendency to lean like the minute she gets something, she holds on to it, which is again, we attract that which we are, right? So, you know, if she's a victim, she will attract more things to victimize her. Right. Right. So yeah. So it's been tough, but I think it's been it's at a level now where she she sees it and she fights to get out of bed and not stay. Like she says, sometimes she just wants to sleep and not get up, which I can understand. It's her two babies, you know, like for me, it's my brothers and it's devastating. My children, oh, you know, like I can't even imagine going through that once, let alone twice. Right. The Your older brother, though, it wasn't gang related, right? Nope, but it was murder. Right, right. Yeah. And he was just dating a girl that he had just met like two weeks, I'm uh, sorry, maybe a month or two. And um, she was previously engaged. And the ex wanted her back and was calling her and, you know, bugging her. And she was like, no, this all came out in court. She would say, I don't want you back. I found somebody better than you. He smells better than you. He's better in bed. Like just really like fed him all these lines that just made him lose his freaking mind. And and he did this this horrible thing. So my brother didn't even know who he was. Wow. Yeah. Be dating for two weeks. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was it was ridiculous, you know. But again, how how could you even know? You know, so I always tell my kids, be careful, make sure you got clarity, make sure you're entering a relationship when the other relationship is complete. Like, you know, don't don't entertain any in between because you cannot fool with people's emotions. Right. Right. And this guy thought that they were done. You know, he just didn't think that they were done. Yeah. But she didn't need to feed him that information. You know, like she was trying to work him up. And, um, you know, he didn't even have as much as a parking ticket. Wow. He just lost his mind at that point. And he pled innocent, but uh, he got life without the possibility of parole, plus six years for using his roommate's gun, which was a deputy sheriff. It was a week-long trial. um, And I just actually, after my little brother's death, reached out to him. I wrote him a letter, and I wanted to talk to him. And I was going to offer forgiveness. And uh, I found out he's he's no longer here. He's dead. Did he commit suicide in prison? No, um, she couldn't tell me the specifics. But um, I don't know if he got ill or what happened. Because there was some lady, I guess, that was visiting him. I looked up on his Facebook page and she knew him from high school. So she had been visiting him and said something about a medical thing, but I don't know for sure. No, it's crazy. It is crazy. You just never know. And that's the scariest part. Yeah, very much. That's why, again, emotional intelligence, have it, get it, learn it. Um, because it, it, our emotions, when they're not harnessed properly, or we don't know how to navigate our emotions or we don't feel our emotions and we don't express them they get bottled up and then one little thing and 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 it just literally goes off like a champagne bottle not in a good way right it's like 
you you lose your mind. The problem with him is that he didn't act out of a heat of passion. He planned it. And that showed more premeditation. He didn't just get angry. He ruminated on anger and planned the whole thing enough to find his roommate's gun, load it, create a ruse, say that his car was broken down, had the hood up, and told my brother he needed a ride. And my brother gave him a ride to three blocks up the street in a residential area. He shot him, ran back to his car in the parking lot, and drove home. Wow. So all of that is premeditated, premeditated, premeditated. It's not the heat of passion because the heat of passion is, oh my God, there he is, bam, right? That means I, I felt so angry in that moment. I, I did I did something, oh my God, uncontrollably. No, he planned the whole thing. So there was no, no way out for him. Good, because that was so senseless. I mean, obviously over a girl, first of all, and- I don't know. People are just crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, and my little brother's is even more senseless because it was over money. Oh. Was it a friend or? It was a guy that owed him my brother money. He apparently had hit his car like a year prior. Um, like he, the, the, the wheel rolled out of his car and went down the side of my brother's car and messed it all up. And so my brother had you know, he's like, you need to fix this. And he's like, well, maybe I can, you know, repair it. I'm kind of good with, you know, mechanics or whatever. He's like, no, I want to take it to a proper mechanic. And so he's like, okay, I'll make payments. And so he was going to start to make payments. And I don't know, it was like under a thousand bucks and never made the payments. And my brother was like, Hey, what's up? It'd been a year. He hadn't made payments and had some words. And next thing you know, my brother's driving up the street and the guy shot him in the back three times. He shot 11 times, hit him three in the back. Absolutely stupid, stupid. Like, so yeah, that's the part where I feel like rage, like, come on. You know what I mean? And he's pleading not guilty. So we still have that to go through. Um, But, you know, again, I want to understand the mindset, like what creates a mindset, like what happened in his world, in his life? What was his childhood like that he felt he had a right to pull a gun and take someone's life. Like what, what I want to, I want to, I'm a study of, of the mind to help understand that. And how with my little brother having a whole different life and still not choose it. And I found out after his death that my brother, my little brother was actually, he was doing good in the world. He was in that dark element where he lived. He was the light. So many people showed up and said how he, the things he said helped save their lives or that they, they stopped them from doing something stupid or, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, like he was doing what I'm doing, but he was doing it in his way in the dark. Like he was the light in his darkness. So in, in that darkness. So I'm super grateful to have seen how many people showed up to honor him. See how many lives he touched. I'm sure it's very touching. Exactly. Yeah, very much. Yeah, we had a lot of people show up that I had no clue whose life he had affected. I know that in prison, when he was in prison at one point, I would send him like personal development books, like Think and Grow Rich or um, Outwitting the Devil, these books. And we talked about speaking on stage at one point. But what he would do is he would speak at the AA meetings and the anger management meetings. And the inmates were telling him how he helped them so much and how they're going to live life differently because of him and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, testimonials, you know, so he actually got like 23 of them inmates saying how he changed their lives. And I haven't found them yet. I, they got to be in his belongings. We're still looking, but I have a picture of them because he had sent it to me. And, um, and he was, he was making a difference, you know, in his world, he was, he was bringing the light. So that's how I want his legacy to be seen, you know, is, is everywhere that you go, you can bring light, you know, don't underestimate the power of your love. Like, your one act of kindness to a fellow human being could be the literal trigger that changes the trajectory of their life like it did mine. 
And those people will never know who they awakened, right? Like now I get to serve humanity at the level that I, I as one woman can because those people chose to be kind to me and they had no clue what I was experiencing in my home. They had none. And I do want to say that in regards to my husband at the time, I have nothing but love for him. And like there, I, I, I want to say that because there's no, this is not a condemnation and this is not a make wrong and this is not a punishment and I'm not here to vilify him. It is just a process of two young kids that got married and that came from very painful backgrounds who tried to make a go of it. Um, and I am grateful for every part of it because this isn't about that. It's about taking your story and all of your pain and alchemizing it into something beautiful because it's available. And you now have the level of compassion and empathy that others don't. You know how they say reading how to climb Mount Everest and actually climbing it are two different things, right? So if you experience some sort of trauma that you want to help people with, I would look at you as a PhD in experience. Right. Because reading about it is one thing, but actually living it and knowing the gut wrenching pain that that is or the things that you go to bed at night thinking or any of that, like, you know, it at a gut level. And that is something worth paying forward. Absolutely. I think and each time everybody tells their story, it's like a part of you kind of heals because somebody out there is going to identify with that. And they're going to be like, oh, gosh. That's me, me too. And it will help them be able to maybe flip it around because it takes a while to be able to do so. And it's so crazy, but I totally understand about like being generous and being nice and being caught like off guard with that because mm -hmm. I can remember that too. Like what, what's going on? Like, and you know, it almost makes you uncomfortable because you're like, what is going on here? But no, like that's the way it's really supposed to be. The more raw and real that you could be, and I always say, don't be stingy with your essence, right? So like, don't withhold who you are, like be you unapologetically and let us fall in love with you authentically. Because what happens is we, we create this heart armor that we put around our hearts because we've been hurt before. And then we show up as a fraction of who we are, a version of ourselves that we think we need to be in order to be loved and accepted, right? And so then somebody falls in love with this, right? And then they're like, oh, but if they knew the real me, they'd leave me. And you live with that insecurity. And then you have to keep showing up in a way that isn't congruent with who you are. And it gets exhausting, right? And, and there's always, it's always driven by fear. What if we can remove those filters and you show up totally unapologetically and you're just the beautiful mess that you are because that is the polarity of life. That is the kaleidoscope. That is the mosaic that we all are. You know, if it, if it was all plain and the same, we'd be bored out of our minds and we'd be starting fights just to have polarity, right? So <laughs> it's like the, the virtue that we're all different. We're up, we're down, we're silly, we're crazy, we're passionate, we're moody, we're you know joyful, we're all these things. Like be that and you will attract that and somebody will love you and your essence will be cut up to the spirit. You know, it'll be like, I don't know what it is about you. And what it is, is that you're being you so authentically and so aligned that it speaks to a part of our soul that we're not behaving in. So for some, they won't like it. Your light is shining way too bright. I'm over here in my darkness. Stop shining. But for others, it's going to be a beacon of hope. It's going to be a light that I don't even know who you are, but I just want to be around you. People are drawn yes, to it. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. And that's who we do it for. Because what if that human being was your daughter or your sister or someone you loved? Isn't it worth it? Absolutely. Like my daughter would talk about like being, you know, speaking. She goes, mom, one day if I'm speaking and there's a crowd of people and when I'm done, there's one person way in the back who's doing the, the clap. <laughs> she goes, at least I know I got through that one person. And I'm like, exactly. How can you how can God send you a million if you won't show up for one? Right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So one Great. life is worth it.
Absolutely. That's, I just pray that what I'm doing does speak to people and hopefully, you know, it puts them on a different directory because I mean, there's no limit to what you can do. There's no limit to what you can have. You build your own limits, your own barriers, break them down and go explore. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Curiosity. You know, when something goes sideways, ask yourself, because my, my question used to be what's wrong with me, right? Something would go sideways or bad. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? Or why can't, that's not a very empowering question. And your life is in direct proportion to the quality of questions you ask yourself, right? So if I ask myself, what's wrong with me? That little sabotaging voice is going to jump in there and say, well, let me tell you, Jesse, I'm so glad you asked. Sit down. <laughs> you know, you never follow through, you're procrastinating, whatever, right? Now, a better question might be, what's the good in this? Or what could be good about this? What's the opportunity here for my expansion or growth? Right? What muscle, God, are you calling me to build? Courage, resilience, perseverance. What, what, are you, what are you asking of me in this moment? And all of a sudden, we turn our mindset to how this is for us and from us versus to us. We live, live in a victim society that is consistently telling us that we are victims and that we need to live in that story. And what that does is it keeps us sick. And it keeps us imprisoned so that we can sign up for the pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. and take all the drugs so we don't have to feel our feelings. I won't go down that road, but I'm just saying, like, be mindful of what you allow in, right? Have a gatekeeper at the door of your mind because nobody can make you feel what you don't get permission to. So, If you are watching TV and you're watching the news and all you're shown is man's inhumanity to man, I could imagine that you walk out the door feeling like everybody's cruel and out to get you, right? My mom calls me, she watches the news and she says, Jesse, the world, it's so terrible. And I said, no, mom, it's not. I'm like, I know that there are terrible things happening, but the world is still good. We're still winning. If you don't believe me, go grab a box of tissues and Google random acts of kindness and just watch what else is happening in the world. What else is going on? Because it's not what we're fed. We're fed all the darkness. And maybe we get a 30-second reel at the end of the news channel of a random act of kindness. Maybe. But for the most part, we're shown all the negative. And so we start to believe that's the only thing out there. Man, I had to unplug. I had to turn that off. I have a couple of friends who give me the highlight reel. Like, what's going on in the world now? Just so I know if I need to store food, what's the deal, right? But I don't engage because my my son did that at one point. He was like so involved in the politics and reading all that stuff. He's like, mom, do you see what's going on? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, honey, here's the thing. I appreciate you being on the pulse of what's going on. And last time I checked, I'm not running for president. So I am going to involve myself in what I can do. And what I can do is bring goodness to the world because I do believe love prevails. I do believe light will always trump dark, right? One light warrior will trump a thousand dark nights. Why is that? Because darkness and evil seeks to hunt and kill. And so it gets blinded by its greed and its need to kill. Whereas a light warrior is is hunting and killing to protect what it loves. And so it's a heart-driven space that says, I'm going to get creative. I'm going to get resourceful. I'm going to make sure I understand my environment. I'm going to make sure, right? It's a different energy that's happening. And you take one tiny little light bulb in a pitch black room, it's going to illuminate, right? Right. Now. Let's say you step outside of the room and you go out there and you grab some more darkness and you bring it in the room. What's going to happen? You're still going to have that little light. That's right. Ain't nothing going to change because that light's still shining. It doesn't matter how dark. That's what we all have inside. The ability to love, the ability to bring light, the ability to show compassion, understanding, or love, or gratitude. 
It creates a vibrational frequency in our body that opens us to universal intelligence, God, wisdom, spirit, whatever you want to call it. It can't move in when you're in contraction or when you're in fight or flight or fear, anger, rage, sadness, worry, any of those depleting emotions. You, you, you shut the door. And now you're just attracting that which which you are. Yeah. Right. And, and if you really think about our heartbeat is is a beat. Right. The doctor's listening. There's an actual frequency being emitted from the rhythm of your heart. If you have a heart rate variability monitor on your heart and you're under stress, anger, worry, sadness, shame, fear, your heart vibration is specific and chaotic all over the place. <laughs> if you are in a renewing emotion, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. In a renewing emotion of love, gratitude, bliss, compassion, appreciation. Your heartbeat is now coherent. That coherence with the mind opens up a channel for you to receive wisdom, aha moments, ideas you didn't know you had. Universal intelligence starts to feed you and you become an open resonance to what you need in order to get through any obstacle. This isn't woo-woo. It is from the context of how they put it, but it is also science. Because we know that energy travels light years. It's the reason we're alive. The energetic magnetic pull of the sun. Our earth revolves because it's pulling, right? But it's not touching. It's the energy. It's pulling. So we know it travels light years. What is measurable by the human heart is three to four feet. So if my Taurus field of three to four feet is emitting love, then that is what I'm going to create in my world. I am now a vibrational match. I am now emitting that not only that I want, but that I want to give. And if you read any of Joe Dispenza or Bruce Lipton, you know, they're like asking, you know, what will you feed the field today? Right? So how are you being a contributor to the quantum field out there of our existence? Are you feeding it with worry, frustration, anger, politics? Rah! You don't think like I do. Bam. You're no longer a friend. You're unintelligent and freaking have a brain problem because you don't think like me. I'm like, what the freak happened? And in the <laughs> spiritual community, a big part of it, a big part of it. My son learned a lot. People he thought were like, they're really close friends. All of a sudden, the fangs came out. And it was like fascinating. I think COVID did us a favor. It started to weed out what was true and what wasn't because people were showing up in ways that you would have never expected. You're right. I've even seen it in some family members and it's just like, okay, this is not what I thought you were going to do in this situation, but okay, noted. <laughs> right? Exactly. I know where now not to have that conversation. Exactly. <laughs> but it also caused separation. You know, and so we have to be smarter than what we're fed. We have to be smarter than what we're fed. We have to seek another way. I, I believe we are love innately, right? We are born in love. We are taught to hate. So we can come back to love again. And if that's our core essence, ask, what would love do in this moment? What would love do? I had a lady who responded to my son. He post, he reposted someone's post on his Facebook and she just attacked him viciously. You are uneducated and mentally ill. That's what she said. And I was like, wow. Like, and I'm like, you don't even know my son. Like, you know, and I was really like mama bear fangs were coming out. And I was like, how dare I was ready to type. And I stopped and I pulled away and I took, I just kind of took a little walk. And what was funny is my daughter read the same message at the same time as she was in the other room and she came out and I came out and we both met each other and we actually cried and we just hugged each other because we just like, we felt so hurt that our, our person was so attacked. Right. And so I ran through my process and I'm like, okay, what would love do in this moment? Obviously she's been hurt before. She's showing up in rage. She's showing up in attack there's some level of hurt underneath there, right? So I went back to sit down and write back, you know, from compassion. And what was beautiful is that my son himself had already answered and he answered with nothing but love. 
Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, thank you. Like I, I came back to my center and then he exemplified it. And so it was, it was perfect. But that's how we have to show up. We have to regain our sovereignty and not be seduced by people's wounds. Because that's all it is. It's the pain body being erected. It's like, oh, let's just rip off the Band-Aid and show off every unhealed wound that's out there. And let's bark from there. Right. I know. And anyone ever wants to say anything like that, I'm just just like, sorry, you're having a bad day. I hope it gets better. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> I bet they don't like that either. Pretty two shoes. <laughs> Pushing me a good day. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't like your negativity. <laughs> <laughs> right. But again, if if we all know that the 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 deep root of uh, anger is is hurt. Like we know that somewhere down at the bottom of all of it, there's there's a pain point. I want to speak to that. And that's the part that I'm going to speak to. And I'm going to say, look, I'm sorry for whoever hurt you. But this is certainly not that. Right. You know, and and it's interesting people. I just did a post. I did a video um, last week and it was just like five steps that I've learned through the process of my brother's death and all this. And a guy responded on there and he was like, you know, not everything is light and love. Go try to uh, go try to fight evil with a hug and tell me how it goes. And, you know, at first I thought, go out and freaking live with rage and tell me how that goes. Right. But I didn't. (laughs) I'm just being honest. Right. And then I thought, I'm like, no, you know, again, he's been hurt. And this is what's showing up is his pain. And so I responded in a way that I I actually didn't disagree with anything he said. I'm like, I absolutely agree with you that not everything is light. I know that to be true. However, I'm not going to be seduced by the darkness to live in the darkness because anger is adding to that density that I choose not to entertain. I will not be seduced into having rage. I felt rage when my brother was killed, but I'm not going to live there because now I'm adding to the very density that I'm fighting against. Right. And I just won't let it get me like that. And by the time we were done going back and forth and a friend of mine piped in, um, he apologized, you know, and, and I thought that was big of him, you know, and I think it all in all, I think it, um, he saw from a different perspective. And I think he realized that I wasn't arguing with him. I was in total agreement with what he was saying. He was just seeing through his pain and he was implying things that I never said. Right. I never said everything is light. I said, I'm choosing light. Sometimes they see it the way they want to see it, or they see it as a potential (laughs) argument. Some people just like to argue well because <laughs> like, well, they're in pain in some form it's like you're wearing green colored glasses you see the freaking world is green right. if he's been hurt and it it showed up in the context of the messaging back and forth um it's on my facebook page like that he i don't know if it was a custody case or something that happened in court and he felt wronged and so i i can see that and so he's seeing through those wronged lenses and so he will translate everything as happening to him. Right. That's just what we do. Because you're the victim now. Right. Always be the victim. Don't be the victim. Be the survivor. Yeah. Be the victor yeah. of your story. And, you know, choose to see through your own chosen lenses, not governed by a painful emotional state of being. You are sovereign and you are in control. And mindset is forever. Forever. There's nobody that gets there. <laughs> you know, it's like, what does that mean? You know, I'm not there yet. I don't certainly think I'm there yet. But I, I do know that I have tools available to me to feel pain, but not be governed by it. And to not live in suffering. And that's what I want to help people with. Absolutely. Do you do coaching online? I do. I have a 10-week course 
um, called Fierce Grace Transformation. And um, it's just an element of understanding where your meaning was created. And sometimes we don't know what it is, right? Like I had a client that um, that came on board who highly successful, young, like entrepreneur, she's in her 30s, and she created a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. She's very much involved in politics, highly successful, but she is worn out, stressed out, burnt out, and exhausted. And it's like, and she didn't realize that basically her level of success is because she was living through the lenses of becoming successful because that's what she believed her father needed in order for her to be enough. It's like he left when she was little. And so she had that abandonment wound and she saw what he admired and what he loved, which was success, success or money or whatever. And so she thought that if she became the thing, she would earn her father's love. She had no idea that that was her subconscious program. She just became highly successful, but was hating her life. Right. She was exhausted and, and didn't want to do it anymore. And she was unhappy and unfulfilled. And here she had succeeded at great things. But she didn't realize that it was like a cat chasing its tail. She was doing it because she felt insignificant inside. And she was chasing the next level in order to prove to herself that she was lovable and worthy of not being left. And so we can't just stack new tools and references on top of an old operating system, right? It's like if you have an old, an old DOS computer, DOS, remember those back, back in the day, floppy disks? Yeah. And you go out today and you buy cutting edge software, you want to make things happen and you install it in this old OS, what's it going to do? Sounds like crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to glitch or it's going to freeze. You're going to see the spinning wheel of death because you can't install a new program on an old operating system. You have to reprogram. You have to upgrade. And so in order to do that, that's why I love personal development, but I don't love it from the context of grabbing new tools, but not upgrading the program. Because what happens is we get the personal development books, we read the books, we go to the seminars, and we know we need to do affirmations, and we know we need to do all these things. But then when we find ourselves in a funk, we beat ourselves and it gives ourselves, our saboteur, more permission to beat ourselves up even more. I got one of these here. I love it. <laughs> right? The judge is like, just gavel, 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 gavel. Now you're in your funk and you already know what to do. So look at you. You're even a bigger failure. Right? So we have to know where we created the story of limitation. And not that we're going to live there. This isn't therapy. But we're going to understand it so we can see the unseen so that you could never unsee it. Because there's another side of that story that we're not witness to because we're only thinking of the pain. Right. Like I said, in my original story, I was a little girl building traps, right. To warn me when my daughter, my father was coming in. Now I could say how tragic that a little girl was building traps to warn her from her father. That is true. But what's also true is that I was one resourceful, creative little girl, you know, and I was courageous and I was planning it. And I didn't know I was going to need resourcefulness, creativity when I got divorced, but God did. Right. And so if God could whisper to you in your darkest hour and say, I know this sucks right now, but if you knew what's coming, you would understand why I need you to build resilience right now. You would understand why I need you to build courage. And this is the way that you're going to build it. And so that's what we end up learning. The other story that was true. It's not about creating a new story. It's about the other story that is actually true. And when you do that and you pull in your superhero, you can't unsee that. So now when you want to go back to the old pattern or the old story, you can't do it because now you're witness to the other truth. So wait a second. So in my victimhood, I was victimized, but I was also badass. Interesting. <laughs> right? Just like, wow, there was a superhero that was being created. That tragedy didn't take you out, woke you the F up. 
I like and it, made it. You, made you stronger than you could ever possibly be, but you're not witness to it because you're not taught to seek it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to unravel it. We're going to create the new, and we're going to give you tools to create the mindset that is literally unshakable, and you can create your limitless life. And that's what we're here to do. And this 10-week program helps create that. You get me 24-7 and, and group calls and, and coaching calls. And it's just it's just my honor, honestly. No, I, I'm sure you are an amazing coach. Thank you. If somebody wanted to hire you, how would they find you? They can go to unshakablelife.com. And that's unshakable with an E. It's interesting. It's spelled both ways. Um, and uh, yeah, you can watch. There's a free 45-minute uh, you know, webinar to watch. Um, that'll help you decide if you are a fit to work with me. Um, because you'll see on my website, I don't work with everybody. <laughs> and part of that is because there has to be some requirements in order to do the work I do and to have success, right? I'm not here to take everybody in like a funnel. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to let go of the blame game and you have to be willing to let go of the story. And if you do, and you're ready to make your life limitless, then we can chat. Um, and that webinar will walk you through some things so you can make a discerning decision if you believe we're a fit to work together. And if we are, I would love to chat with you. You can book a call from there. No, I love that. I mean, why set both of you up for failure? If you're not willing right. to do the work, don't waste my time. Yeah. And and we're not, neither one of us are going to be happy. Right. You know, and I'm not here to force you into anything. You know, it's like my sister told me when I became a Tony Robbins coach, she said, I want to be your first client. And I'm like, okay, but only if you're my client and not my sister at the tall, at the time of the call. <laughs> You know, and, and the reason being is that she would come on the phone and she'd say, I'm having an issue with this. And I'm like, okay. So I work through it and she's fighting me every step of the way to keep the issue. She told me she was having trouble with. And so I finally said, I'm like, I don't understand. I'm confused. Like you came here saying this thing is a problem, but now you're fighting me to keep the thing. So my ultimate outcome is your happiness. So is it making you happy or not? Because you came here saying it wasn't, but now you're fighting to keep it. I'm confused. Right. And so it's like, there has to be that. That's why I, I put that out there because my outcome is to get you out of suffering. If you're ready to get out of suffering and to live a life of limitless potential, then let's freaking rock. Because my belief is that when you live life on purpose with passion, all you want to do is pay it forward. At that point, all you want to do is give. And that's where I'm going to create the army of angels. All of those beautiful souls that transform their life to see things differently to a point that they want to now serve humanity in their own way. And it doesn't have to be becoming a coach. It could be just complimenting the Starbucks lady. Because again, your one act of kindness can change their life like it did mine. That's right. One small comment, compliment, anything could change somebody's whole view. It's crazy. Yeah, very much. So did your mom ever end up leaving your dad? Yes. Um, this is back when, gosh, my kids were little. My boys were born. My daughter wasn't even born. So um, my little brother was nine when she left my dad. And then my little, my older brother was murdered when he was 15. So six years later. Yeah. And she lived with my little brother. And that was also a part of his trauma. They bounced from my aunt's house. She gave him a room to live in. She had this beautiful house with a pool, but when she left my dad, she lost it all. And so my little brother was, you know, trying to fit in everywhere and, you know, random schools. And it was, it was, it was hard for him. I think you're doing amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. It really does. Thank you for having me on this show. Oh my God. I'm so glad we were finally able to connect. I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. We did it. <laughs> Keep the lines of communication open. Very much. I would love that. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I really appreciate okay. you. Thank you very much. You have a great night. Awesome. You too. Big hugs. Bye. Make sure you guys check out her site. If you think you're ready, Jesse's your girl.
If you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please make sure to share it with them. Do you want to be on the show? Do you have a story that you want to tell or a topic that you would like to talk about? Feel free to reach out to me. Just head over to crimeovercocktails.com. You'll be able to send me a message. And since you're already there, you can actually listen to the episodes on my website. You can learn a little bit more about me. And I have helpful phone numbers if you or someone you know is in need. Do not hesitate to reach out to somebody if you need help. So if you guys are looking to connect with me a little bit on a deeper level, find me on my Instagram because I do post reels um, here and there. Let's not get crazy with it. But also on TikTok. Please make sure to like, follow, subscribe. If you're able to leave a five-star review, please do so. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And we're going to talk crime another time. Bye.